Hi, I'm Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the Sonia Whitaker Podcast 2.0. Students know more, that children know more than we think. And I believe that because there's been so many times as school district officials that I have visited schools and have become absolutely convinced that our results on a standardized test do not mirror, do not reflect their intellectual capabilities. I'll suggest that we should pause for a moment as educators and ask ourselves, what role do we play as educators in making that happen? In June of 2019, California made headlines for becoming the first state to outlaw the discrimination of individuals Doing what we can do together. What I'm most proud of for our district, and I know I'm not alone in this, is we have worked together. Unintentionally, which serve as counterproductive to supporting all children, and more specifically, black children, in reaching their fullest uh, intellectual potential. New York City schools, particularly as it related to the number of students of color. The purpose of this podcast is not to admire problems. The purpose of this podcast is to identify issues that are impacting education, either directly or indirectly, and to provide for you recommendations for how to resolve the issues that have been identified so that you may continue about the business of ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Some would argue that the most disrespected woman in America is the black woman. And the most unprotected woman in America is the black woman. And the most neglected woman in America is the black woman. And you know, I can't say that I disagree with that, especially as I continue to engage deeper and deeper in research from both a practical and a theoretical perspective as it relates to the experience that some black girls are indeed having in America's public schools. Now, by now you have been made aware of me speaking publicly about this for the first time in California. And as a direct result of all that I have come to know, I have elected to use the Sonia Whitaker Podcast 2.0 as my next platform for addressing this topic. And I intend to provide for you, out of courtesy, just an abbreviated version of the full keynote presentation that I delivered. And I do this with the hopes to help develop in you the cultural competencies needed to better ensure that Black girls have more positive experiences in schools, both academically and emotionally. Now, throughout my keynote presentation, I identified several areas that I believe, and based on the research that I have done, 
serve as counterproductive to supporting black girls in taking their rightful places in society. As a point of information, it is my intent to release a series of podcasts around this topic. And in those podcasts, I will address each of those topics individually. For the purpose of this release, I've elected to address two. And the two are adultification and the unfair disciplinary treatment of black girls in America's public schools. It's important to recognize that adultification is a concept that has been coined to describe how black girls are disproportionately perceived as less innocent, needing less nurturing, less protection, less support, knowing more about sex and adult topics and are more adult-like than their peers. With regards to adultification, it is also important to recognize that adultification can take place in two forms. And so I'll, I'll ask that you allow me to please describe the two forms for you. One form is a process of socialization in which children function at a more mature developmental stage because of situational context and necessity, especially in low resource community environments. That's a theoretical explanation. For a more pr practical explanation, I'd like to suggest that when the third grade student tells a teacher or administrator that she's got to get right home from school because when she gets there, she's got to wash clothes and then she's got to unload the dishwasher and she's got to prepare dinner for her siblings and she really means it. That would be a concrete example of adultification as it relates to the experiences that some of our students have day to day that many of us are very well aware of. The other form of adultification from a theoretical perspective is described as a social or cultural stereotype that is based on how adults perceive children in the absence of knowledge of children's behavior and verbalizations. And this is the area that I wanna focus on. Monique Morrison can be quoted as stating that scholars have observed that society regularly responds to black girls as if they are fully developed adults. This stereotype is further exacerbated when black girls are generalized and misread as loud, sassy, and aggressive, when in many cases is really just an outward expression and manifestations of their critical thinking and intellectual capabilities. We've got to allow our girls to be who they are. With regards to discipline, oh, we know a lot. We know a lot. But I want to take what we know about discipline and its impact on Black girls. I want to take it from the perspective of this conversation in particular. And so allow me to point out that black girls spend less time in the classroom due to discipline 
which further hinders their access to a high quality education. And black girls are six times more likely to be expelled and three times more likely to be suspended and four times more likely to be arrested than white girls, thereby contributing to the potential criminalization of the black girls that I have described. Black girls are restrained and transferred to alternative schools at alarmingly disproportionate rates. Exclusionary discipline is strongly associated with a host of negative outcomes affecting student wellness, including increased disengagement, feelings of stress and isolation, poorer academic achievement, and increased likelihood of involvement with the juvenile justice system. Quote provided by NYU Steinham. And so without going line by line as it relates to the statistics that we know about how black girls or the extent to which black girls are negatively impacted in schools, particularly as it relates to the disciplinary procedures or actions taken toward their white peers who are engaging in the same type of behavior. What I want us to understand is all that I have just described as it relates to adultification and as it relates to the unfair discipline of black girls in America's schools serves as counterproductive. It serves as counterproductive to helping the students that I am described reach the goal that has been established for them. And that is for them to experience success in school, but ultimately success in life. I want us to begin to think about, regardless of our positioning in schools and communities, what can we do within our realm of control with the power that has been granted in us to better ensure that black girls have even more positive experiences that they could ever imagine in the public school setting. I'd like to make for a call to action related to the question that I've posed, and that is, be clear about the impact of such on the mental health of black female students. As adults, we have a fundamental obligation to recognize that although politics have made its way into public education, and I understand that it makes it very hard sometimes for us to focus on the work that we have in front of us. But the black girls that I am describing, they are a part of our work. And it has become more and more important today than ever before that we're clear about the mental health impact of such on black female students and that we respond to their needs. I'm also going to suggest or make for a call to action relevant to the need for us to raise black girls consciousness around the issues that I have described. Sometimes black girls, as they have indicated, 
are experiencing unfair treatment, like being grabbed by the neck and thrown to the floor by an officer because she didn't put her cell phone away fast enough. Traumatical experiences, to name just one, that black girls are experiencing and they don't know after those incidences occur who to talk to, how to talk about how that has impacted her. And so we want to engage in what I call the policy of intentionality as it relates to creating safe spaces that allow us to one, hear from the girls, but also provide a safe space where we can learn, hear and then learn about the questions they have about why they are targeted. Another call to action. I want us to help expand our black girls' knowledge of the women's rights movement, also called women's liberation movement from the perspective of black women. And I think that that is so important because that's where they will draw strength. Once we raise their consciousness as it relates to letting them know that they are queens, regardless of the hue or the color of their skin, regardless of their shape or the manner in which they choose to articulate themselves verbally, they are indeed queens. With regards to expanding their knowledge of the movements that I have described, again, I am stating that resiliency will come from them knowing that women that look like them are girls that look like them, whom have had similar and in some cases worse experiences, have come out of those experiences, not just stronger, but with an ability to lead fiercely and strongly for the betterment of all people. And so allow me to close by suggesting that history does not repeat itself. People repeat history. And so not only do we want to visit history from the perspective of making sure that our girls know about what it means to be resilient, we want to make sure that we as adults don't repeat history by remaining unconscious about those things that could be occurring in our respective organizations that serve as counterproductive to supporting us in reaching the goals that have been established for the girls that we care about so much. Thank you for listening to the Sonya Whitaker Podcast 2.0. You can follow Sonya on all social media platforms as Sonya Whitaker, S-O-N-Y-A-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. Also, you can access her podcasts on her website, SonyaWhitaker.com. Click on live and on-demand radio to listen to previous podcast episodes.